0: Thing before we start the recording here. Um, last Thursday, uh, you guys were super blessed. Uh, Pastor Joe came out and shared a really neat study on trials. And uh, what a blessing that was. And um, I had the opportunity to be over at the Almonte Community Center. And the Lord just did a great work there. I want to thank you for your prayers. Uh, amongst other things, being able to address the city council, the mayor, all the individuals that were there, and to pray over them. Um, I also happened to sit next to a guy that was um, uh, uh, a very, very intellectual guy who didn't really know what was the path to heaven, what was true. And so we ended up talking, and in the midst of our conversation, he told me that his sister died three months ago and that his other sister was on her deathbed. And he said he's been searching. He said he even went to a church right down the street six times and he said every time he came out of that church he felt empty he felt like he wasn't being fed okay this is a non-believer man and so it was so cool how the lord in his sovereignty orchestrated it so that i could sit right next to him we talked all night long and before i left he said manny don't forget to call me and to give me a reference to a church in my area and so it was just so cool isn't that cool when the lord does that man Such a blessing. So thank you for your prayers. God is moving. And uh, tonight we get to continue our journey to the book of Deuteronomy. And so let's open up to Deuteronomy chapter 10. As we study now the fifth book in the Bible, um, this completes the Torah. um, And that is the book of Deuteronomy. As I've told you before, it's Moses' last words. As they're just about to enter the land, uh, a lot of it is in just repetition of the things that they had already heard, but things that they needed to hear again. Um, And I've noticed in my life as a Christian that, you know, repetition is effective for me. You know, I need to hear it over and over again. As a matter of fact, for us as Christians, sometimes that repetition is confirmation, huh? And it kind of sinks deeper. And, And that's really what Moses does, is he's addressing the children of Israel... And he's telling them some things that they need to know as they're about to enter into the promised land. Look what he says here in verse 1 of Deuteronomy 10. He says, at that time, the Lord said to me, Hew for yourselves two tablets of stone like the first, and come up to me on the mountain, and make yourself an ark of wood. And I will write on the tablets the words that were on the first tablets which you broke, and you shall put them in the ark. And so I made an acacia wood, uh, an ark of acacia wood, a huge two tablets of stone like the first, went up the mountain, having the two tablets in my hand. And he, that's God, wrote on the tablets, according to the first writing, the Ten Commandments, which the Lord had spoken to you in the mountain from the midst of the fire in the day of the assembly. And the Lord gave them to me. And then I turned and came down from the mountain and put the tablets in the ark which I had made and there they are just as the Lord commanded me. Now if you remember uh, the history here in the nation of Israel was they had blown it, God had disciplined them, they wandered in the wilderness for a total of 40 years, 38 years really of discipline and now God was giving them a second chance. The Lord was giving the people another chance. And he commanded Moses here to cut two tablets of stone to make an ark. And we would refer to it more as a chest. It would look like a chest. And God said what he was going to do was He's going to write on the tablets the words that were on the first tablets that were broken. If you remember, when Moses came down the mountain the first time, the people were breaking all the Ten Commandments spiritually. So he took the tablets and he broke them physically. And God said, listen, I, I'm, I'm going to give you guys a second chance. And so God gives Moses the instructions. Moses follows through. Imagine what God's handwriting must have looked like, man. And he says, okay, give me those tablets. And he writes, you know. Most, most theologians believe that more than likely, because usually when you see the tablets, you see them like that, and you have five on this side, five on that side. Most people believe that more than likely it was one word on, on each side. It kind of told the whole thing. It must have been incredible, though, just to see the Lord writing with his own finger. You know, we read that account. If you go back to Exodus 34, and you can look that up later, and there we see that Moses was actually up the mountain for 40 days. And we're going to see that later in verse 10. And Moses had another 40-day fast, and God gave the words. And Moses kind of says right there in verse 5, They are the words that are still there. They're still here 40 years later. You know, and that's kind of cool. And I don't know if Moses meant anything or was, you know, through implication trying to tell the children of Israel something there. But basically he was saying, God wrote it way back then and you know it's right there, right here, right now. And in one sense, we can take that and we can apply that to our, our word that we have right here. You know, even though it was written over thousands of years, many different authors, over different cultures and periods of time, we have the word of God written for us. And here it is right here, right now. And this evening we are studying it. You know, and I just think it's so cool when God's people yearn to learn. You know, I get blown away that you guys would come on a Thursday night. It must be the Spirit of God working in your hearts. You know, because there's so many other things to do. We're living in America. We live in America. You know, you go to a third world country and they'll, they'll travel for hours to go hear a Bible study and they'll sit through a Bible study all day long. They really will. It's amazing. You know, but in here in America, it's crazy, huh? We have a million things to do. We have so many options in life. I'm blessed that you come and you come to a Bible study on Tuesday. You come to a Bible study on Wednesday. You come to a Bible study on Thursday and Sunday. I am so blessed to see your hunger for God's word. You know, and the Lord told Moses and Moses is telling the people, God wrote it. He put it in the tablets of stone. It's right there in the ark. Here it is right now. And for us, that's what we have right here. It's God's word. And we are here. We yearn to learn. And what we want to do is we want to live and give God's Word, knowing that the Word of God is just that. It's Think about it. The Word of God. You know, I, when I really think about that, that this is God's Word, i got to be honest with you, I can't think of really a whole lot of other things I'd rather be doing than studying His Word. Studying His Word is... To, to to live it first of all, and, and then to give it. And the, I mean, you know, life is not real complicated. This is what we got to do: study His Word, we live it, we give it, and what we do is we love the Lord. And when you focus on your relationship with God, you make that first. You want to know something? He's going to take care of everything. He's going to take care of the ministry. He's going to take care of your family. You don't have to focus on those things. Focus on the Lord. And it's amazing to me how he works everything out. But what ends up happening, though, is we have to begin by understanding that there is an authority in life. And the authority for us is the Word of God. You know, some people don't believe in the authority of the Bible. And they make themselves the authority. Oh, I don't believe that's the Word of God. I don't believe that's the authority. Then they're the authority. And then so you have to ask them, well, where were you when the world was made? <laughs> you know? Seriously. Seriously. I mean, you look at this creation. Right now, I'm, I'm going through a series. It's a series really for, for uh, young adults. But it was a series through Focus on the Family, U-Turn. It's all about creation. It's all about the design and the designer, intelligent design. And I'm just getting blown away. Uh, when you really trace things back, there's just no way you could say that we're here by random chance. When you look at the design, you realize, man, that there is a great designer. And this God who made us has given us his word. And when you accept it as God's word, then you watch what happens, man. God will really radically change your life. You know, it's so cool when people yearn to learn and they live to give God's word, knowing that the word of God is the word of God. As a matter of fact, when Paul went to the Thessalonians, that's exactly what happened there. That's why God did such a great work there. Over in First Thessalonians chapter two, we have the scripture right here in verse thirteen. It says, "For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing." Paul was jazzed about something. He was so in, just man, not you know, wanting to ever th- stop thanking God for what? For this, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God which also effectively works in you who believe. You know, the Word of God is a living Word. The Word of God is a working Word. And that's why I want to make sure that you really understand that when you come and you you come to these studies and, and hopefully we're giving you the Word, that it is not in vain. That the Word of God is a working Word. And when you receive it, it's so cool because you receive it as that. That makes pastors, that makes leaders, that makes the Lord so happy. You know, and, and Moses said, God wrote it. It was God's finger. He wrote it on the tablet. Then he put it in the ark and it's right here for us right now. And, and the same is true for us. And, and then look what he says in verse 6. He says, Now the children of Israel journeyed from the wells of Bnei, Jaachan, to Moserah, where Aaron died and where he was buried, and Eliezer, his son, ministered as priest in his stead. And from there, they journeyed to Gudgoda, and Gudgoda to Jathabatha, a land of rivers of water. It's kind of funny, whenever we're reading the Bible at home, my son, he's like, Dad, are you sure that's how you pronounce it? <laughs> and I say, you know what, phonetics, buddy, it's just all about phonetics right here, you know? we're going to see verses six through 11 is kind of parenthetical. Just speaking of the further journeys and how the people of God came to where they are now In, in verse 11, it says at that time, the Lord separated the tribe of Levi to bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, to stand before the Lord, to minister to him and to bless in his name to this day. Therefore, Levi has no portion nor inheritance with his brethren. The, Lord is his inheritance, just as the Lord your God promised him. As at the first time, I stayed in the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. The Lord also heard me at that time, and the Lord chose not to destroy you. And then the Lord said to me, Arise, begin your journey before the people, that they may go in and possess the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. And here we see Moses gives them the history. He gives them the good, the bad, the ugly, the beautiful. He shares with them the low life of the people, the high calling of God. He talks a little bit about the high priest, the Levitical priesthood, the journey behind them and the journey before them. It's a wonderful, wonderful chapter. You know, here we see that the Lord separated in verse 8 the tribe of Levi. And if you go back and, you know, when you get a chance, read Exodus chapter 32, especially verse 26. Because, you know, the the, the tribe of Levi was chosen to be be that priestly uh, tribe. You know, the descendants of Aaron would be the high priest. But the descendants of Levi or the tribes of Levi would be there helping him. You know, the Kohathites, the Marathites, all those guys that were there. And it's so cool when you look at it, you know, because the Lord chose Levi... Because they made a stand. If you remember what happened, again, you go back to Exodus chapter 32 and the people were having an orgy. The people were breaking all the Ten Commandments. The people were in, you know, Aaron wasn't able to restrain them. So Moses comes down the mountain and he tells the whole congregation, okay, who's on the Lord's side? And the tribe of Levi said, we are. And so as a result of that, God chose them to be his priests. God chose them to be involved in ministry, to be close to him. Think about that. What an awesome privilege, you know? And I know it's hard to figure out sometimes, to be honest with you, when it comes to ministry, because, man, you know, I know it's grace. I know it's grace. And yet at the same time, man, I know it has to do with those individuals whose hearts are for the Lord, whose hearts... Or like David, when you know Samuel saw David, the Lord said, this is the one. And there was something about his heart that was so beautiful. And God chose him. And there's always that balance. I want to encourage you, man. Don't just go with the flow. You've got to go against the grain. And as God sees you making a stand for righteousness and making a stand for Him and for holiness then God will say, there's one that I can trust. There's one that I can use. And that's exactly what happened. The The tribe of Levi, it says right here, they were separated. Notice it says in verse 8, to bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord and to stand before the Lord to minister to him and to bless in his name to this day. You know, when you look at this right here, it's kind of cool what the Lord says uh, about the tribe of Levi. Um, You know, it says right there in verse 8 that they would bear the ark of the Lord. Okay, now remember when we studied the ark, the ark was symbolic of what? It was symbolic of God's presence. And it was kind of like the responsibility, it was kind of like the ministry of the Levites. They were chosen to do their part to make sure that the people of God were always in the presence of God. And I, and I just love that. It's a beautiful thing that whenever you know, the ark was lifted up or you, know, you would see the pillar of fire by night or the pillar of cloud by day and God would say, okay, it's time to journey. And they would gather together to make sure that God would always be with them. And I've and I got to share with you that as a leader, that's the way it works. You know, we are not leading the church. We're following the Lord. And our desire is just to make sure that we're always where the Lord wants us to be. If he wants us to put brick back here, cool, Lord, yeah, that would be awesome, you know. I like that, you know. And the Lord provides these gifted guys with beautiful hearts. And then he said, we're going to do different things, you know, and just different. Diff, that's, but that's the way life is, you know. And the Levites would have that opportunity just to be able to carry that art. Such an awesome, awesome privilege you know, and it 's not about church it 's not about a religion it 's not about a social gathering, yes, we feed the poor, and yes, you know we help people with their utility bills, and yes, you know we try to be good, moral, you know upright citizens, but you know it 's primarily about maintaining a relationship with God individually and and just doing our best to maintain a relationship with God congregationally. That this congregation would stay close to the heart of God. That's all. And whatever the Lord wants to do from there, it's up to Him. But the most important thing is that we follow the Lord. And the Levites would do their part. We see there when you study, not only would they be able to bear the ark to keep God close for their journey, so to speak, but it says also in verse 8 that they would stand before the Lord to minister to Him. Now, that's an interesting thing, you know, just serving the Lord. Remember, you guys, when you come to ministry, and it's kind of funny, some people are real flaky in ministry. They're real flaky. Who do you serve, though? Okay, if you're serving me, that's cool. I understand your flakiness because I am not worthy. But if you're serving the living Lord, we have to take this very seriously. And really, when you see the book of Acts and when the church began, it was ministering. Jesus said, you'll be witnesses to who? To me. Here we see they minister to who? To him. That when we serve, that we're serving the Lord. You know, we're not serving man. And it begins there. And it's such a cool thing when you look at that. And as a priest, there's a few things to think about. You know, one of the things that you understand is that as a priest, you represent the people to God. And so they are ministering to the Lord. And you know, whenever you intercede, you're representing the people to God. You're taking them to the Lord. And that's a cool thing. And we see that Moses was really good at that. And as a matter of fact, we see that because of him, the people weren't wiped out. Look again, it says right there in verse 10. As at that time I stayed in the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. The Lord also heard me at that time. When he was praying, God, don't wipe him out. God, give him a second chance. God, I beg you, for 40 days and 40 nights, I beg you, please have mercy on them. And so it says right there, as a result of that, the Lord chose not to destroy you. And so as a priest, we kind of represent the people to God. And like I shared last time when we were in Deuteronomy, and I just want to reiterate it to you, you know, to know what a difference your prayers make. You know, you may not feel it. And I know a lot of times we don't feel it. You know, but you're you're faithful. You know, and you lift up this individual. We have a prayer ministry here and they lift up different individuals, man. And I don't know if they really feel like they're making a difference. But, you, you know, when you read, you know, texts like this, I think it encourages you to know that, that you do. That your intercession, you know, it saves lives. You know, because when there's not an interceder, look what we have a scripture here in Ezekiel chapter 22. Look, it says in verse 30, it says, So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. Therefore, I have poured out my indignation on them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath and I have recompensed their deeds on their own heads says the Lord. It's like the Lord says, I was looking for somebody who would pray. He says, but but I found no one. And so he had to judge the land. Never underestimate the difference that your prayers make. We see that here as a, the Levites would minister to the Lord. Uh, they would actually represent the people to God but we also see that they would represent God to the people. Because look again in verse 8. It says, At that time the Lord separated the tribe of Levi to bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, to stand before the Lord, to minister to him, and to bless in his name to this day. Now, a lot of people wonder, Why are you studying the Old Testament, Manny? No, we're no longer under the Old Covenant. We're in the New Covenant now. Correct. It's true. And we have to make sure that we test everything under those standards. But remember what theologians say. They say that the Old Testament is in the new revealed and the new is in the old concealed. And so when you're reading the Old Testament, the Bible says all these things were written for our admonition, for our learning. And what you see is that a lot of times in the Old Testament you have you know pictures, you have illustrations of New Testament truths. And, I, and I, I remember when we were going through 1 Peter, do you remember I shared with you guys that you are priests, remember? The Bible says we have a royal priesthood. We are priests. And so you're like, okay, I'm a priest. Father Manny, is that what we should start calling you? No, no, that's not what the Bible says. You're not supposed to do that, right? But you are priests. And don't forget it, that you represent the people to God and you represent God to the people. And right here we see what the priests would do. You know what they would do? They would bless in His name. That's what He says. So that you guys can do that. I want to use your life to bless them. And of course this meant the prayer. We read in Numbers chapter 6. Beautiful prayer. But I I think a lot of it is just our life, you guys. You know, like I've shared with you many times, I pray for my wife. I pray for for her every day. If I'm not praying for her, who's praying for her? You know, and I got to really spend time in lifting her up to the Lord because I know she's an attack, a a, a target for attack. You know, all of our marriages are. The enemy would love to divide and conquer in your marriages. Husbands need to pray for your wives. Wives need to pray for your husbands. We need to start praying for the single people that God would give them the strength to stay pure. But, you know, when I pray for my wife, I also pray for myself because I know that if I can get my life right that I would be a blessing to her. And that's the way it works. That when we begin to get our lives right and we begin to live according to the standards of God's word that God will use us to bless other people. And that's the ministry of a priest. He represents the people to God and he represents God to the people. And we can do that for each other. And that's what the Levites were engaged in. And it's such a beautiful thing. I, I love Numbers chapter 6. I'll read this to you. It says in, I think it's 22 or 26. It says, And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, This is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them, Don't you wish I could sing it like Pastor Chuck? The Lord bless you. The Lord bless thee. And keep you, the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. I mean, it's such a beautiful blessing. The Lord said, hey, I want you guys to have this. And it's so cool when you look at this and you see the things that the Levites were engaged in. Uh, again, look at verse 9. It says, therefore, Levi has no portion nor inheritance with his brethren, the Lord is his inheritance, just as the Lord your God promised him. You know, and it's cool when you see the Levitical priesthood, we see once again that the Levite was not to receive an inheritance on this side of time, that he was not to accumulate land or wealth. Why? Because his inheritance, his portion, was the Lord. Question What would you rather have? The land? or the Lord. Just If you had to choose, (laughs) we'd rather choose the Lord, right? We see this back in Numbers 18.20. It says, And the Lord said to Aaron, You shall have no inheritance in their land, nor shall you have any portion among them. I am your portion and your inheritance among the children of Israel. You know, like I said earlier, Christians today, according to 1 Peter 2, 5 and 9, are priests. And we are allowed to own land but the key is that the land should not own us. We're not to get caught up in this world. You know, if you find yourself in this situation, what ends up happening is you forget Christ. Remember, you guys, Jesus is preparing a place for you in heaven. And like we read right here, he himself is your portion? Remember Hebrews 13:5. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things that you have. Why? For He Himself has said, "I will never leave you nor forsake you." You know, there's a, unfortunately a, a, a lot of a lot of pressure nowadays. You know, to own a home, or there's a lot of pressure nowadays we find. You know, in America that really aren't biblical. You know, and so be really careful, man. You can really tell a lot about a person by, by looking at their checkbook, you know. And I wouldn't look at your checkbook, but you can look at your own checkbook and you can kind of find out where your heart's at. Are you giving to missions? Are you, you know, giving to the work of the ministry? Are you helping people out? Are you investing in the kingdom of God? You know, the, the, the priests were not to own land. Because the Lord said, I'm your portion. And I want to encourage you guys to make sure that you don't get caught up in the cords of this kingdom. It says in verse 12, And now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command you today for your good. You know, if you wanted to summarize the book of Deuteronomy, I might even put it this way. Stay faithful to God. Don't become a spiritual adulterer. You know, it's kind of interesting. You 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 warn people, you warn husbands, you warn wives, You know, you try to tell them, man, be so careful, you know, no flirting, make sure you keep your proper boundaries, you maintain your integrity. And you try to tell people time and time again, you know, watch what you watch and the internet, magazines, so many different things. But man, they they continue to fall and and they fall into adultery and he has an affair and she has an affair and they run off with him and she runs off you know with that individual over there and it's crazy because you try to warn them but you know it's just it's just a pool it's a pool to our animal appetites and and for us you know maybe you're here today and maybe you've kept uh faithful to your spouse but but the question is Have you really been faithful to the Lord? Have you really been faithful to Him? Do you only have eyes for Him? Because Moses knew what would happen once they they went into the land. And Moses knew what would happen once he died. Moses knew what would happen in the future generations, how there's such a tug, you guys, for us to become two-timers. For us to become, you know, unfaithful to the Lord. You know, you just got to love Him. And you have to make sure that you fall in love with nothing else. You know, I think that's really the heart of what Moses is saying. We're going to see it today. To love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. And to love your neighbor as yourself. And then you're going to be in great shape. But he gives right here some, some really important words. Five core key words right here in verses 12 through 13 number one is the word fear again what does the lord require of you but to fear the lord your god and what does it mean to fear the lord well i think it has an element of reverence and respect but i think it also just means to fear him and that if you get out of a line he's gonna spank you okay and that's a healthy fear how many of you got spanked by your dad when you're growing up I know my wife, she grew up under that kind of uh, not harsh disciplinarian, but you know her dad was, was kind of strict and, and it kept her in line, you know. Um, and, and that's something that we don't see today. There's no fear of the Lord. You know People do whatever they want to do. I've, I know that in my life, it is the fear of the Lord, time and time again. That has kept me from doing things, from saying things, from misrepresenting God. I remember when I read about Moses, how he misrepresented God. He was angry with the people. And so God said, okay, you can't go into the promised land. And so what that does to me is that sometimes when someone gets mad at me, and you know, every once in a while they'll do that and they'll, get, they'll come up to me and they'll get in my face and stuff. They want me to, to, to react, right? They want me to just kind of fight fire with fire and I can't. Because what happens if I misrepresent God? God might say, okay, Manny, I had greater plans for you, but you know what? It's not going to happen anymore because you did not fear me. And there's not a fear in the Lord, the Lord nowadays. I mean, God gives us so much grace. I think we take advantage of it. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, man. We've got to fear the Lord. That's one thing he says. One thing the Lord requires of us. Secondly, he says right there, to love him. You know, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God and to walk in all his ways and to love him. You know, it's kind of interesting. You're like, well, how can you fear somebody and love somebody at the same time? You can, huh? You really can. When you realize that all His commandments, we're going to see that later at the end of this verse, are for our own good. You know, and to love the Lord is, you know, we know the greatest commandment of all. He says right here to walk with Him. To walk with Him. You know, that's your moral journey. That's every single day. That's every single moment of every single day. That's every thought, every word. Every action, all that you do, it's all that you are. It's your walk. And what does God ask you? To walk with Him. You know, I shared with you guys earlier, you know, um, and I and I know you guys have hard times in your life. I, I could just imagine the trials that are represented here in this congregation. Um, but I really want to encourage you guys to make sure that you find your answer in your personal relationship with God, can I ask you a question? Do you walk with the Lord all day long? Seriously, you know, or do you turn it off and on? Do you walk with Him all day long, to where you're talking, to where you're you're sensitive to His presence, to where there's a peace for your path because you know you're walking with Him. There's joy for your journey because. You don't walk away from Him. You're walking with Him. You know, And because I, I think that that's really the key to our life because I, I know that if I say, okay, man, I'm going to you know grab the bull by the horns and I'm going to take care of this ministry. And I'm going to grab the bull by the horns and I'm going to take care of this family. You know what's going to happen to me? See ya, man. I'll be history. But when I focus on the Lord and my relationship with Him and I'm just all day long I have that peace because I know he's with me and he's leading me and he's guiding me and nothing's coming my way that he hasn't allowed. And I just walk with him all day long. I find that he takes care of my family and he takes care of the ministry. That doesn't mean it's always easy, but what it does is it gives me a peace in my life. You guys never forget to walk with the Lord to walk with Him each and every day. Micah six eight another cool verse. He has shown you, O oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Here we have five words. The word fear, the word love, the word walk, the word serve, to serve the Lord your God. And then that word to keep there in verse 13, to keep His commandments. That's not only obeying them, but I believe it's embracing them and it's keeping them close to your heart. You know, as we see this, the Lord gives us all these commandments in verse 13. He says it is for your good. And we read that over and over again. Deuteronomy 6.24, and the Lord commanded us to observe all these statutes to fear the Lord our God for our good always. Jeremiah thirty two thirty nine. Then I will give them one heart and one way that they may fear me forever for the good of them and their children after them. You guys, it's not that God's trying to keep you from having fun. It's just that these are the ways because He made us and He knows how we tick. He knows everything about us. That we will find satisfaction in life. You know, this last week, my wife was over. Um, She, I went to a a pastor's wives conference, and she she was gone for a few days. And it was so cool because I had the opportunity to just spend time with my kids, and you know, we had some uh, time together. And it was such a blessing, man. Because um, you know, invest in your family, invest with them. You know, time with them, quality time with them. You know the Holy Spirit has been speaking to me. He's been saying, "You want to know what the Holy Spirit's been saying to me? He's been saying, "Play baseball with Aaron." You know, he can do stuff like that, right? Play baseball with Aaron. And I'm like, "Well, you know, okay, you know, tomorrow and and tomorrow and then before you know it, it you know, a week goes by. And um and so anyways, we went out it was so cool the other day, we had the opportunity to go out and just to uh to sp to play baseball together and it was raining. And I was pitching, and we were having a great time. Ariel was playing the outfield, and uh, we jumped fences, and we had such a blast. He hit the ball far, and we had such a great time. And, and all I'm saying is this, that the Lord knows what satisfies us. See, as a father, he wants me to spend time with my kids. As a, as a husband, he wants me to to love my wife. And I think it's been like... 37 days in a row that she's gotten a massage man i think she owes me big time you know and (laughs) you know it's just you know but just different things you know but the holy spirit speaks to us and he tells us what to do but we got to know that it's for our own good no question you know why would you kick against the goats he says hey i want you to spend your money a little wiser is that for your good yeah of course it's for your good. He maybe he says to you, and I'm not saying you know to everybody, but he maybe he's saying to you, You know what? I think that's one too many cheeseburgers, you know stuff like that, you know um I want you to start eating some you know today I had some you know apples with honey and black grapes. it was so good, and the Lord will say, yeah, I want you to start eating a little better sometimes. I mean, you name it it's it's for your good, not ours, you guys. and what we find is we study the Word of God that his commandments. Are good. And you know what? I want to encourage you guys to be blessed. Oh, yeah. No, no problem. Sorry about that, man. It's for our own good. It really (laughs) is. All right. All right. Verse 14. It says Indeed, heaven and the highest heavens belong to the Lord your God also, the earth with all that is in it. The Lord delighted only in your fathers to love them, and he chose their descendants after them, you above all peoples as it is this day. Therefore, circumcise the foreskin of your heart and be stiff-necked no longer. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality nor takes a bribe. He administers justice for the fatherless and the widow, And loves the stranger, giving him food and clothing. Therefore, love the stranger. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. You shall fear the Lord your God, you shall serve him, and to him you shall hold fast and take oaths in his name. He is your praise, and he is your God, who has done for you these great and awesome things which your eyes have seen. Your fathers went down to Egypt with seventy persons, And now the Lord your God has made you as the stars of heaven in multitude. And Moses is just trying to encourage them. Real simple message. I don't think there's really an outline here, man. It's just a whole bunch of different things. Trying to encourage the people to love the Lord, to live the way the Lord would want them to live, that they may enjoy the land, that you may enjoy life. You know, they say that we were created for two reasons. Number one, to glorify God. And number two, to enjoy God. Isn't God an awesome God? He invented chocolate, I think. I'm pretty sure he (laughs) invented chocolate. I mean, think of all the good things, you guys. Music. Think of all the good things that God has given to us. Love. Friends. I mean, just beauty of the colors and sounds. He's a good God. And he wants us to enjoy life. But as we do things his way, that's the only way we can. In verse 14, Moses said, Everything belongs to the Lord. Heaven and the highest of heavens, it belongs to the Lord. The earth also, everything that's in it, it belongs to the Lord. In verse 15, we read that the children of Israel belong to the Lord. And we read here that he was determined and delighted in Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all their descendants. And so he says to them, as a result of that, since, you know, I, God, who own everything, and I, who God, who chose you, Israel, live for me. Stop being stubborn. Circumcise, he says, the foreskin of your hearts. You know, and, and I don't know about you, some of you here, I think, are doing pretty good until... Somebody does something to you, huh? And once, you know, maybe your wife says something, or your kid says something, or your husband says something, or somebody says something, the cat, you know, makes a certain noise, whatever it is, you know. And then once something, you know, then you're like, ah, you know. And, and you guys, we got to stop. We got to circumcise the foreskin of our heart and we've got to live the way the Lord wants us to live because He's the one who made everything, and He's the one that, think about it, out of all the peoples in the world, He chose you. He chose you. Now you're saying, okay, Manny, are you a Calvinist now? Okay, I'm not a Calvinist, but listen, He chose you. And I know you chose Him, and you know, that's a kind of a tough thing to kind of balance out, but don't strip away the truth of the Bible. That He chose you. Out of all the people in the world, you're His. You're His son. You're His daughter. I mean, we see that the percentage of God's people are getting smaller and smaller in the world that we live in, right? I mean, most of the world, man, today, they don't know the Lord. They don't believe in God. They're not His kids, but you are. And it's crazy, man, because a lot of times, God's kids, they... They don't live like they're God's kids. And so what he he says, man, you got to circumcise the foreskin of your heart. Think about that. That's kind of a, a trippy thought, huh? When you think about it. The Bible knowledge commentary says this, an uncircumcised heart means a will that is hardened against God's commands. Thus, the command to circumcise their hearts assumes that human hearts are naturally rebellious and they need correction. How many of you here are naturally rebellious? Just out of curiosity. You all are. You all are. And you all need correction. And we all got to break out the Holy Spirit's, you know, scalpel and we've got to circumcise the flesh. You guys, we got to walk in the Spirit. And not in the flesh. You know, we know our heart is definitely bad. Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10. The heart is deceitful above all things. Desperately Wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord. I search the heart. Our hearts are bad. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. And so Moses says, man, you guys, you got to really live for the Lord. I mean, he's the Lord of lords. He's the God of gods. He's really the only one. And look at the way he is. Verse 18, he administers justice for the fatherless and the widow. He loves a stranger, gives him food, gives him clothes. You know what? You should be doing the same thing. It's basically what he's saying. As a matter of fact, he reiterates it right there. He says in verse 19, Love the stranger. You know, love people that come into your path. Love the guy at Jack in the Box with the love that he's never experienced his whole life. The question is, God's love in you? If God's love is in you, then let it flow out into everybody that comes into your way. You know, it's not coincidence, man. The other day, you know, this guy, he kind of did a little fender bender in, 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 you know, my truck and, you know, he kind of messed up the light thing and it was actually the car, that's right. And so, um, you know, I, I don't get mad at that. I think, okay, well, the Lord probably wants me to talk to this guy about him. You know, and you just love him. Oh, he's not legal. Well, let's call the cops. No, you know what? I'm not going to do that. We We love these people, you guys. There are so many people out there in the world today that have never experienced love in their whole life never and they're not they're not experiencing and they're not seeing it in the world you have it and God wants you to love them that's the way he is he gives to the fatherless the widow the foreigner food and clothing he says right there fearing the lord in verse 20 holding fast to the Lord. Man, don't let go. Taking oaths in his name. In other words, you're going to stay faithful to the Lord because he is worthy for what he's done and for who he is. And right here in verse 22, he says, Man, remember when you guys went down to Egypt, there was only 70 of you. Now uh, they say that there's probably 3 million of them. Look at what God has done. And for us, I think the same thing is true. We can just look, and if we open our eyes, we can see what God has done. We can even look at our own life. We're not the people that we want to be, but we're not the people we used to be. Because God's changed your life, huh? You don't need to go home and drink. You don't need to go home and, and light up or shoot up anymore. You know, you have now been changed by God. Let that encourage you. Don't focus only on what's not happening. You know, let your eyes be open to what has happened. And God has done a work. Even John Corson, he wrote in his commentary, And so I say to you, look how you've grown. Look what God has done. You're bigger people, deeper in your understanding of the Lord, more passionate in your love for the Lord. God has multiplied you. He's done great and glorious things in you. All because of his mercy, his goodness, his grace. You know, I remember the first study that we had, there was five people. I remember when we first started the church here in Elmarnia, the way it started is I went out street witnessing in Valley. I didn't know that everyone there spoke Spanish. I didn't know that. Man. <laughs> but, you know, I actually did witness to a few people. I mean, but look at what God has done. And I really believe he's going to do great, great things, you guys. And that's really what he's saying right there in Verse 21 look at these things that the Lord has done. You know, and in looking at our study today, there's so many lessons, the grace of God, the word of God, intercession, separation, obligation of priests and for the Lord and a lot of other things here. But ultimately, as we close here, what I see is that the Lord is reminding me once again. And I don't know if you're hearing this, But I know I'm hearing this, that the Lord is reminding me once again that it's all about Him. It really is. And that's what he says right there in verse 20 and 21. Fear the Lord, serve Him. To Him hold fast. Take oaths in His name. He is your praise. He is your God. It is all about Him. And I think when we remember that, God will encourage us as Christians. You know, for me it's pretty simple. It's all about Him all the time. And believe it or not, you know, it, it means that He's, you know, takes the preeminence over the ministry. You know, I tell Shelly, because a lot of times we can get busy in the ministry and we can talk about this event or that event, and hey, we've got to do this and we gotta go there. And I have to really just tell her, sweetheart, you know what? I don't want to talk about the ministry right now. Let's talk about the Lord. You know, and I know that sometimes, you know, they're linked and everything, but, you know, at the same time, they're not always linked. Because you might end up being a a Martha, busy, 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 and you forget who it is you're serving. When you focus on the Lord, on your wonderful God, I promise you, man, He's going to take care of everything. Remember, man, it's all about Him. Some people say, well, I better go to church and... You know, for you single people here, it's so cool to see you here, you know. You know, someone said, hey, you got to start a singles ministry at the church, you know. And who knows, you know, maybe we will one day. But you know what? We're we're here, uh, we're single-minded for the Lord. And you single people, I want to encourage you, you just stay focused on God. You don't have to go looking. You don't have to say, oh, is he the one? Oh, is she the one? You don't have to do that. When you focus on the Lord... He will put you with the individual that He wants you to be with in His timing. You know, everything, all of our problems, all of the desires that we have, all of the cries of our heart, they are all found in Him. And that's why we need to focus on Him. And everything else falls into place over family, over ministry, because even they can become idols. I've realized that, you know, in my life. If I put God first, He'll show me how to take care of the family and the ministry. He'll show me that it's all about Him. Because if He's the one who made me, and He's the one who maintains me, He's the one who loves me, not in light of me, but in spite of me. If He's the one who never, ever quits or splits from the joint journey that we have together, never, ever, ever will He leave me. If He's the one who cried for me and died for me, then I will simply live for Him. And you don't have to go around trying to please men. You don't have to go around wondering, oh, will they be impressed with me? Oh, will will they still like me? You don't have to worry about that anymore. All you have to do is stay focused on the Lord. The Bible says, for the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And He died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for Him who died for them and rose again. You see, you guys, we you know may not have three million people, but there's still something you can see that God has done, and that is that He has died for you. And the Bible says that if He died for us, then we should live for Him. It makes sense. We die to ourselves. We take up our cross, and we live for the Lord. And so, some of you say, "Okay, Manny, then is it okay to watch the playoffs? I really like the Yankees. Is it okay to have yogurt on Sundays? Should I give ten percent from my gross or net? How often should I fast, Manny? What color shoes should I wear? What kind of car should I drive? Is it okay to have fun? You know, and, and you know, people just want me to tell them." all the details of how to live their life. And you want to know something? Other than the Word of God, I won't. But one thing I will tell you over and over again is to love the Lord. And you love the Lord and you know, maybe the Lord will give you the freedom to watch a Yankee game with your son or something. I don't know. That's between you and him. You know, so you can watch a Yankee game with your son and you know what? It may be a wonderful experience. The thing that I'm trying to say is I don't want to point you to a whole bunch of rules and regulations. I want to encourage you in your relationship with God. Because as that, you know, falls into place and that gets healthy and beautiful, then everything else, it just kind of comes together. You know, be careful, you guys. I could give you my convictions on all of those things, but I'd rather encourage you to enjoy your relationship with Him. He'll show you the divine details. For some people, man, you just can't do sports anymore. It just eats up too much of your time. But for some, you know, you know, they, they spend time with their son or, or whatever, you know, and, and they're there and they're watching. That's between you and the Lord. Here's some things. Be a good steward of the gospel and the gang. Okay, the gang is your family, just in case you're wondering. Okay. Be a good steward of the gospel and the gang. Be a good steward of your talents, your treasure your temple, and your time. Your talents, your treasure, your temple, and your time. And then you'll be fine. You'll be in line with the Lord. I promise you that. <laughs> is it okay to have fun? Yeah, it's okay to have fun. It really is. As a matter of fact, I'll close with a funny story I heard today. Because Greg Laurie, did anybody hear the story uh, Greg Laurie told today? That's kind of cool, man. He was ha- having this conversation in his heart. Is it okay for Christians to have fun? I don't know if Christians can still have fun. You know, because he was a new believer and everything. And what ended up happening was, you know, he, he, he was a new believer. He was going to Costa Mesa. And then one day he went to an event where Pastor Chuck was there. And still in the back of his mind, because he had come from being a jokester. How many of you here are jokesters? Just out of curiosity. Okay, I don't mess with you guys, man. <laughs> But he was a jokester. That's the way he was. And I don't know if Christians can have fun anymore. And so what ended up happening was he went to this event. Pastor Chuck was there. He had never met him, but he kind of thought, you know, how some people mistakenly think that Pastor Chuck was like, a, you know, a spiritual giant icon kind of floated on, you know, air and just, you know, was uh, just, just really, really intimidated by him. And so what ends up happening is there, he's having lunch, and Pastor Chuck sits right next to him. He sat right next to him. And so you know the, his heart's beating he's nervous he doesn't know what to say until finally you know what he ends up saying pastor chuck can you can you pass me the punch and so uh you know you know doesn't know what to say and so chuck what he does is he gets the the punch and he begins to pour Greg Gloria cup of punch right and Greg Laurie's thinking, wow, anointed punch. <laughs> oh, Pastor Chuck. And, you know. and so he's pouring the punch, you know, and it's going in the cup. And, you know, it's halfway full. And he's thinking, oh, this is going to be the best punch. And, and it kind of keeps going up. And, and the next thing you know, it's flowing out of the cup. And he's thinking, is this a spiritual lesson? Is this like <laughs> overflowing cup? <laughs> and he looks at Pastor Chuck, and Chuck has got this big old smile on his face, and he's just playing a joke on him, just messing, messing around, and, and you know, just having fun. And I guess that was a real good way of communicating a lesson, that you know, Christians, you guys can have fun man, in the Lord, as he leads you and he guides you. And I just, you know, as, a, as an under-shepherd, I really want you guys to have a wonderful life. I want you to have a beautiful life in the Lord. And the way that you do that is you exalt Him. But don't forget to enjoy Him, okay? Let's pray. Lord, we thank You so much for Your Word, Lord God, that just, uh, Lord, there's so much here. We could spend uh, so much time on all these different things, Lord, but I know for me, Lord, the one thing that I come away with is is I, I want to focus on my relationship with you. I really want to walk with you, Lord. I want to be the man I need to be for family and ministry. I want to have a peace, Lord. I want joy. And I, and I really, really have come to that point in my life where I realize that i got to get my eyes on you, Lord. I've got to stay focused on you. I just want to thank you for the reminder tonight. And Lord, I pray for everyone here, Father, that you would bless them, encourage them in their walk and in their relationship. It's so beautiful to see your people grow. And I just want to thank you for letting me witness it, Lord. Bless them, encourage them, give them wisdom. Lord, I pray every day, watch over your people, Lord. Thank you so much for your promises, Lord. And I just pray, Lord, for everyone here. Maybe there's one or two that don't know you, or maybe there's some here that have been, you know, messing around, backsliding. God, just bring us tonight to where we need to be, to that place of repentance, that place of totally and completely and utterly and wholeheartedly trusting in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Thank you so much for being the Savior. And for loving us the way that you do, Lord. We just thank you and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.